0: Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Today, Beverly again fails medical triage 101. Worf is our kind of woke fella, and we ask the question, what was the right call for Jono? Come nerd out with us.
1: Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea Sharice. Today, we are talking season four, episode four, entitled
0: Suddenly Human. This episode was written by Ralph Williams and directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. So before we jump into the plot of this episode, I just want to say I'm so sorry we had to miss last week. So if you were looking for us last week and you're like, hey, where's the episode? Um, Some, you know, life stuff gets in the way sometimes that we had to skip a week. So we're so sorry, but we are back. All right, here's the plot for Suddenly Human. The Enterprise responds to a distress signal from a Talarian vessel. They rescue five teenage crew members, four Talarian and one human, Jono. Bump, bump bump
1: I kept it kind of a one sentence cuz that's all I don't we want to give anything away. <laughs> and that's really that's really all we need. That's the whole episode. That's it right there. Yeah. Um yep. and then he, he's a, he's a teenage rocker
0: type who doesn't respect authority, except he really respects authority. And, and that's how the story goes.
1: <laughs> yes. And basically they say, well, since you're really human and not Tularian, we're going to snatch you from your home, the only home you've ever known and put you back with your grandma who you've never met. Uh, so you can be raised on earth, like a proper human, the end S- solutions. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the F what is going on right now? Um, so many things, so many issues with this episode. I don't think this was a bet. Ba- so, just my initial thoughts were like, yeah. I vaguely remember this episode, but I don't yeah. remember it leaving a lasting impression. And when I finished the episode, I was like, Yeah, I see why it didn't leave a lasting impression. Yes. Mm-hmm. What about it, what were your initial thoughts? Same, on this one?
0: same, same as you. I was like, Oh, it's like the angsty teenager episode. Okay. Um, that was sort of my thoughts. I will say again, like you, it didn't leave a lasting impression. At least the ending didn't. So I was surprised by the ending because I was like, I thought that was going to go differently, mm-hmm. um, but de- definitely lots to talk about. So let's jump into this episode. First of all, is this the first time we've ever seen Telerians? I feel like it is.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Is it the last time we'll see them? I believe so. Right. By the way, Telerian is such a freaking cool alien name. It's so mm-hmm. believable. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, It is. It is. And it actually made me think about the, that flu. Do you remember the, um, Dr. Dreamy <laughs> who was going to marry Troy? And yes, he, he cured that. He had to cure that that ho- terrible disease. I thought yes. they were called Tularians, but that's they what I thought. That's Maybe they I were thought, like Quilarians or something sort I, of similar. But it not, definitely st- it's definitely started with a T. I'll have to look that it up. Was
0: it but- flu? Or
1: something? Oh, maybe. Or maybe I'm just maybe. thinking of like some
0: pharmaceutical sounding name. No, I, don't I, think, know. I
1: think you might be right. I think you might be right. Because I was like, have we heard this, <laughs> this name before? But yeah, yeah, this is our first time seeing Telerians. As far as I know, it's our last time. They might show back up on Lower Decks. That's what happens with all these orphaned aliens <laughs> that we only see one <laughs> Orphaned aliens. That's a <laughs> the perfect phrase. They show back up in Lower Decks, which is awesome. Um. <laughs> so starting, starting the episode, I don't know if you noticed this, but they're on the bridge and they're chit-chatting. And Troy is doing the weirdest like porn pose ever. Yes. Yes. And I was like, why do they have her standing like that? She's leaning against kind of the, the banister of the bridge, Yeah, the horseshoe. Or yeah. Yeah. She's leaning against the horseshoe with her legs open, kind of bent over. She's basically doing like the Riker lean. It feels like counselor Troy was
0: imitating the Riker lean, but like it looks pretty porny. Like when Troy does it.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause Riker usually has his leg up, which is also very awkward. Don't get me wrong. That's weird too. And I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that particular Mm-mm, pose, especially no. since his crotch is usually right in somebody's face. When he I was does just going to say
0: data is especially not a fan of that <laughs> pose,
1: but it was so weird. I was like, why are they having Troy start by like, just bending over, opening her legs and bending over. I don't know what the F that was about, but that's how this episode started. Um, yeah. Welcome to suddenly human. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's Troy does Dallas basically (laughs) (laughs) Troy does Teleria or wherever the name of their world is. Um, and so anyways, we start out like that and there's this, uh, there's this, um, distress signal coming from a Telerian vessel. And so they're kind of scanning it, trying to figure out what's going on. And data informs the crew that Telerians are really, really good at strategy when it comes to war and stuff. And they have lots of guerrilla warfare training. So this might be a ruse. Where they're having a distress call, and then when you come in to try to rescue them, they like blow your ship up or something. Yeah,
0: I feel like they're a hell of a lot better at strategy than the fucking Zach Dorns. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. Like, you
0: guys say you're good at strategy, but nobody's tested it for like seven millennia. So it yeah. turns out you're
1: not that great at it. Honestly, you know what- you're only good at stratagemma. And that's <laughs> not the same. That's not the same as an actual battle. People. You know what
0: I'm good at? Checkers.
1: You know what I suck at? <laughs> Chess. Okay. <laughs> like-
0: It's just not the same. It starts with the same few letters, but that's about it. Sorry, Zach Dorn. But yeah, so they have these common guerrilla tactics of like sending out a distress signal. And then when somebody comes to assist, um, it self detonates the ship and then blows up any ship in the proximity, which by the way, why are you trying to blow up the red cross essentially? Like who's trying to help you?
1: I mean, that was the, that was the thing in hunger games, right? Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen hunger games, um, which came out like 10 years ago, um, (laughs) that was, that's like one of the keys of warfare. If you take out first responders and you take out the ability of the medical staff, then everybody else is going to just surrender because that's like a big no-no to hurt medical staff. Yeah, it really is. It really is.
0: Um, now they find, you know, they sort of find the ship and it's got the distress call going out. And so they're kind of talking about these guerrilla tactics and whatnot, but thankfully Troy is there who comes down off the, you know, she basically like Straddles the horseshoe and slides down the banister. <laughs> <laughs> she actually walks down the with horseshoe, her mouth
1: partly open. Yes, and her <laughs> breasts <laughs>
0: heaving. So she, <laughs> so oh. she actually is very useful here. And she's like, "Wait, I can sense that there's life aboard this vessel, and this life, the life signs are fading." Mm-hmm. So Riker and the away team beam aboard, you know, with Doctor Crusher and all that.
1: Yeah, Matt and they re- to Troy. I was like, "Wow, that like they could not have known this without Troy." Nope, they, they the sure could not.
0: Troy only could have saved the day here. They absolutely utilized her exactly the right way after they were done making her a sexy toy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they end up beaming aboard, and they realize that the crew members, there are five of them, I think, they're all teenage boys, and it looks like a training ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but on the set of the Telerian ship, there were two like gigantic 1980s, joysticks. like yes. Pac-Man joysticks.
1: Yes. And I was like, does it go pew, 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 like when you fire? And oh. <laughs> Andrea, the ship was so cool. It, was. it had everything this, this green light tinge, kind of like how they do Borg cubes yes. and Borg stuff yeah. is always green. And I mean, they pull out the green light from time to time and it always looks great. So it was very green and very kind of like cubic and super futuristic looking. And they had these giant joysticks, like so huge. And I was like, I've never seen something quite so arcade like or cartoony Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. on a bridge, but it makes sense if it's a training ship. Yeah. And also, it just looked cool. Like I didn't mind. It's like it. one of those. It's like one of those plastic play
0: school little uh, red and yellow cars that like toddlers drive around in. Yes. It's kind of like that. <laughs> um, so, but they they find that these boys are suffering from like radiation illness and all this stuff. Um, and Dr. Crusher calls Riker over and says, "This boy, he's human." And then, this is why I feel like Beverly needs maybe a little refresher course on what not to do in a fucking medical emergency. She like pulls his helmet off his head. And I'm like, that is like emergency medical procedure 101. No, no. Like don't pull and don't jostle a trauma victims like head or neck area Mm -hmm. like at all. And between this and attaching that goddamn neural stimulator right onto John Doe's exposed brain, Mm. I was like, we need to transfer Beverly off and send her back to Starfleet Medical and do a little brush up course, Bev. This is like, I am not a doctor, not a doctor.
1: And I was like, what are you doing now? Like it was
0: really, it was.
1: Uh, we have no medical training. However, we know some we common like, basic, sense training. Yeah. We know some basic stuff not to do. And the, the probe on the brain is like a no, no. And jostling someone's head when they're a trauma victim is also a no, no, but yep. turns out it's all okay. Everybody's yeah. fine. All the boys are, all the boys are pretty much <laughs> fine. They beam them to sick bay and, yep. and they get started on them. Yeah. Um, now they start,
0: talking to these boys. And of course they're mostly interested in this human boy who goes by the name of Jono. And she starts asking him some background questions and he and the other Tolarian start wailing like high pitched banshee wailing.
1: Like howling.
0: Yes. Yes. And it seems to be some sort of rite of passage or some sort of something that they do. And luckily again, Troy is there and she's like, they're terrified. Like they're doing this when they're in distress. And Picard walks in and he's
1: like, may I have your attention? Like trying to clap and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all eyes working. on me people. Excuse one, two, me. three eyes on me. Excuse me. <laughs> and nobody, <laughs> and nobody is saying
0: one, two eyes on you, which as a teacher, you will know is very frustrating. <laughs> and <laughs> he immediately does what I would do. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> Just immediately cut the shit mm-hmm. and they stop immediately. And when Jono hears Troy refer to Picard as captain. He immediately shows deference and requests to be returned to his Telerian captain. So he's this is clearly a culture that respects chain of command. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as Jono hears he's the captain, he stops wailing, he starts listening to him, he respects all of Picard's wishes. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but as Jono is like, I want to be returned to my captain, Dr. Crusher's like, May I see you in the kitchen for a minute, Picard? And they go over and he's and Dr. Crusher starts revealing that like Jono scans that he's had a lot of past injuries, like cracked ribs and concussions. And I think like a broken wrist. Mm-hmm. And so I think this episode, while it's not the most memorable, it's a great episode. It's just not super memorable to me. Um, it really does touch a little bit more on like the Stockholm syndrome type thing. Remember mm-hmm. when Beverly was like held captive? Um, yes. Yes. And like the psychological aspect of like being a captive in a in a like abusive situation was just so fascinating to me. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so 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 I mean, I I remembered that this episode like how it kind of went and that he wasn't abused. So this whole time, instead of me, I probably when I first watched this episode, I probably thought similar along the lines of what she was thinking is that maybe he's been abused. But watching it now, my thoughts were completely different. As she was saying, he's had all these injuries. I think he's been abused. My 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 immediate thought was. Did she do any of these super careful scans on any of the other boys mm. or did she only scan the human because he's human and she already had the bias that humans will be mistreated by Telerians? because she didn't say a oh. thing about the Tularian mm-hmm. boys. And I was like, if she scanned them, I'm sure she would see that they had cracked ribs and bruised legs and broken ankles and all kinds of stuff. And she could say, oh, maybe this is a Talarian thing. Maybe they're they're very rough as a culture. Maybe like there could have been other explanations. But the fact that she only took an interest in Jono and his past in relation to the terrible Tularians made me feel like, yeah, your bias already is putting you in a position of poor little human. He must be abused. You know, I never thought of that,
0: Cherise. And I love your point of view on that. I really do, because. You're right. She's only interested in Jono. The whole crew is only interested in Jono. Mm-hmm. The I, other kids, they don't even you don't even see them again. You don't see them at all. And now that I think about it, it's like, wait, I remember parts of this episode, and I had recalled that Jono was like the only survivor of some sort of disaster when they found him. Right. And he might as well have been because even the rest of the episode, like he doesn't spend time with the
1: other Tularian boys, which it's like, even though he asks many times to be put back with his brothers. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 you know, you've been abused. We can't put you with them. Yeah. But they didn't like, talk well, to wait them. A minute. They didn't talk to the Tularians, didn't scan the Tularians, didn't. I mean, they put him in sickbay and just locked him up. Like, they yeah. were criminals. They were the bad yes. guys. Yeah. And, and it's.
0: I never thought of that because you're right. Like the only interest was Jonah. Cause if the other boys had all had broken bones, it's like, well, it would stand to reason that if one was being abused then the others would also be abused, right? But,
1: you would have other interpretations. Maybe yes. it would be they're all being abused. Maybe it would be just have yeah. a, a rough culture. Maybe it would be there. I mean, it, there could be so it many be other things. things, Yeah, but there was only one interpretation from, because the data was already biased in the first place. Yeah. You're so, so that's, right. That's what I was thinking as I was watching. And I kept wondering like, where are the other boys? What's going on with the other boys? Aren't yeah. they worried about Jono? Isn't like what like? But they never mention the boys again. Never. Yeah.
0: Well, this yeah, it's as it's as though like they don't exist at all. Now, this for me also like raised a lot of um, thinking points. I would say because when you're dealing with underage kids who may or may not be showing signs of abuse. It's really, it's really not as black and white as people think it is. Mm -hmm. It really isn't to just be like, well, we need to just remove them. And that's that, like, it's, things are just so much more nuanced than that. And there are so many more like layers and complications between just deciding, you know, um, little Timmy down the street is crying all the time. And I think he's being abused. And it turns out that like the boy has had a stomach flu for three weeks and it's just been like horribly ill and miserable. It's like, it's just really Never quite as black and white as people think it is. There are cases where it's black and white. That's like okay, somebody was throwing their kid out of a moving vehicle. That's like clearly fucking abusive. But in cases like this, where it's like they didn't even ask Jono like how he got those injuries, and
1: mm-hmm. they haven't they asked no the other investigation. investigation like they, none. They none. didn't know. They just made their assumptions and then separated Jono and then said, you know what? He's with this. You know, he's being abused by the Talarians. So we're going to take him from that home and put him with his grandmother, who he's never met but put him back with humans where he belongs. And I just thought, again, you know, this kind of brings me back to that episode from season one, Symbiosis, which is a mm-hmm. great episode, but it's that it's the Drug Dealer Planet episode. Yes, where, such a you know, good episode. Such a good episode. But it reminds me of that where Beverly was like, nope, we're just going to stop the drug trade and we're going to give everybody some like synthetic drugs so they can not go through withdrawal and we're just going to like sever this connection. And it was like, you can't come in and and change someone's whole world and paradigm and thinking when they think they don't know it's a drug. They think it's medicine that they need to survive. Like that mm-hmm. is their thought. That has been their belief for a hundred years. And you just come in and say, no, 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 it's a drug and you're addicted. And here's this other thing. So you won't be addicted. Okay. Bye everybody. Yeah. Like you're not going to be there to help walk them through that. You're not going to be there for the the aftermath or anything. You just come in and kind of impose your will and then peace out. And I feel like this with poor little Jono, yeah. where they're, they 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 made their assumptions and they want to do what's best for him. But the way they're going about it is we're going to just pluck you from your the only family you've ever known because yeah. he's been with them since he was like two or three mm-hmm. or whatever since he was little. We're yeah. going to pluck you from this. We're going to put you back on Earth, which you've never even heard of. And then we're going to peace out. We're going to go back on our, our deep mission. You know, and it's like, how could you how could you make that decision for him without yes. even? Talking to him. See, that's but see this. Okay,
0: so we're getting a little ahead. So let me back us up just a little bit because there is a lot of discussion we can have about this. Um, at what point, at one point, Jonah was discovered to be Jeremiah Rosa, grandson of Admiral Rosa. He was presumed dead. He was missing and presumed dead after his parents' colony was attacked by the Tularians and there were no survivors. Mm -hmm. And Troy is when they're when they discover this, they're like, Oh my God, this child was taken from his colony when everybody else was dead and raised as a Telerian, He was like raised as one of their own. And Troy is like, we can't just return Jonah to his grandmother without making a connection with his human self. Cause he, he needs to connect with his human side. If he is to have any chance of creating a life for himself, like with his grandmother or like being returned to his family and like where he's from. Mm-hmm. And I do love that you know, uh, Jono makes many comments about how females can't outrank males and they're not as strong as males and all this stuff. And there's a little teeny tiny scene that I love so much where Worf is escorting him to his quarters. And Jono asks Worf, like why he took orders from a female and tells Worf that among his people's, females can never outrank males. And Worf is so effing woke in the scene. And I love it. He says, (laughs) you are human among humans. Females can achieve anything. The males can. And I tell you, Sharice, I have never loved Worf more. I was like, (laughs) yes, yes. I started doing like snaps at the TV and everything. So using that as a callback, Troy is like, he won't connect with a female he needs to connect with a male and because it's a patriarchal society and like rank is highly valued they're like Picard you need to forge some sort of connection with this boy and Picard's face looks like a 56 car pile up in slow motion it's like <laughs> oh like, it's just so painful and it's so delicious to watch where he's like, you see in his mind, all these like scenarios yeah. and he's mm-hmm. thinking like, which one of these should I pull? Like I've got the stomach bug or my, mm-hmm. uh, my mom is coming to visit or my you know dog what? ate my tricorder. Yeah. So
1: I have to go, <laughs> go with the dog to, um, well, After well Crusher,
0: I guess, cause there's no <laughs> vet,
1: but also this, this Moriarty issue is not going to resolve itself. I better go. I'll be in the holiday. Plus the Borg. Right. (laughs) Am I right? Am I right? So he's like, Riker, you got this right. Number one. (laughs) Uh, I always said number one for a reason. Yeah. He's
0: like really trying to, (laughs) he's trying to get out of it. Um, and he totally tries to get out of babysitter duty. And Troy is like, no, man, this is your responsibility. You have taken on the fucking Borg. You've taken on the pack easily. You've done all this other stuff. Yep. Okay. You're telling me you can't hang out with a teenager for a couple of days while like his folks come to pick him up. Like, give me a break. And I love that she puts them in her play in his place. And I love that. It's a female that puts Picard in his place because in Jonah's culture, that would never happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is a federation and it's different. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: Yeah. So, so we see Picard kind of being like, well, Troy, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I'm not great with kids, which is (laughs) exactly, exactly. That would have been my reaction right (laughs) in his face. (laughs) I think I did know that, sir. Right. (laughs) But he's like, okay, I've got to forge this connection. And, and again, the the whole premise is now, now the picture is painted that he was kidnapped as a baby and then abused for like 10 years. And so now they're trying to like recover his psyche and his memories and all this stuff. So Picard is the ambassador to, to Jono. And he goes to Jono to kind of talk to him and try to make some kind of connection, which he has no idea how to do or what to do. And you know what, to be fair, that's, that's going to be true of a lot of adults. So it's not just Picard. Um, But he goes into Jono's quarters and he's kind of talking to him and Jono's just like, yeah, I usually stay in the same quarters as my captain. That's where I stay. And Picard's like, uh, well, Again, 56 car pile up in slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. So he brings him to his, he brings him to his cabin and in, to his quarters and Picard immediately says, see, this is just not the right place for kids. And Oh, please put that down. Oh, oh, please put that down too. And that too, that too, put that down, you know, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, your room is a museum. It's not fit for kids. Um, but Jonah it makes himself in a house right like at that. home. I, I grew
0: up in a house like that, that was like, like a museum and not mm-hmm. a home. And I remember visiting my friend's houses when I was little and being like, your home just looks like you can just dive onto the couch under a pile of blankets. And that looks so cozy. Where like, my parents had this like big, beautiful house, but it was like a museum. It was like cold and sterile. And it just, mm-hmm. ugh, and you can't yeah, touch when, anything, you cannot touch anything. And everything is like 150 years old at least, or whatever. Right. It's like this old vase from God knows where, yeah. but I totally related to Jonah kind of poking around and being like you live in a museum and Picard's like don't touch that please don't please put that down okay no no, no don't don't turn around too fast being like okay you know I was like just God, sit Picard. right here
1: sit right here and don't move
0: you know what Picard needs <laughs> like he needs a trip to like home goods and get some like comfy cushy
1: throw blankets and like yes with with prints of space on them <laughs> <laughs> I would, like Jupiter and Mars. like maybe a black hole or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh Picard. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that Picard does is he shows Jono photos of himself as a baby. Mm-hmm. And As the Khmer, which is um, Captain Endar's ship, the Telerian captain's ship, comes into contact range, Picard leaves Jono behind in his quarters. And Jono's kind of looking through these photos of like his mom and dad and himself as a baby before the Telerian attack. And he starts having these like horrible flashback recollections Mm -hmm. of his final minutes with his parents. And it's just so heartbreaking to watch this kid like unraveling with this PTSD and this horrible, it's like horrible flashbacks. With it's no just so heartbreaking support. with no, no support. None. And to be
1: fair, the only person who could help him on the ship is Troy or Gut Ga- or Gynen. but, yeah. um, is Troy. And he won't listen to either of them because they're both women. Although I feel like yeah. Gynen could probably get through to him pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like he has no support. So he's just looking at pictures, but then they start unlocking all these horrible memories. He's freaking out and there's no yep. one there to support him. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It was really painful to watch that. You're just, I, I was cringing on the inside, like oh, somebody get in there. I know. You know don't I leave them alone with these thoughts, but nobody, I guess they didn't anticipate that
0: that was going to happen. No, no.
1: And, and honestly, I mean, given
0: the information that they had, obviously they should have done like a deeper investigation, but knowing Over that this boy investigation. was, oh, or any investigation, you're absolutely right about that. But knowing that Jonah was kidnapped as an, as an infant or a toddler at best, mm-hmm. and then raised by the Tularians and has a history of like broken bones and all these kinds of things. I would also feel as a Federation doesn't go, well, you kidnapped this baby. We it's only right that we return him back to his like rightful family. Um, and that was my train of thought. And I was really surprised to see how the episode played out. Um, but at this point, captain Endart shows up and he and Jono have this like very warm reunion Um, and Picard confronts Endar with these broken bones. And like, what, what about all this? Just what about all these things that we've uncovered? Mm -hmm. So the questions they didn't ask Jono they Not indoor. at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. Um, and Endor laughs it off as like use like the equivalent of like climbing trees and scraping knees. Like, he, you know, he was riding a six-hoofed horse-like beast and they're very hard to control and whatever, whatever. And he like took his pain well. And it seems very Klingon in nature where it's like mm-hmm. pain is secondary to like honor and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and the reason that he even took Jono slash Jeremiah um, is because Telerian custom dictates that if your son is slain in battle, you may claim the son of a slain enemy. And I thought that was such an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. And if we did have, you know, contact with extraterrestrials, like what other sort of like societal norms or cultural norms would be acceptable for one culture and mm-hmm. not another and then it actually made me think about like what cultural norms are acceptable in one place and not acceptable in others and I was even thinking small things like flipping somebody the bird is like not okay here but if you did it
1: in another country they'd be like oh what that has yeah. no significance it's, just a, here. it's a different it's a different hand gesture in different countries that means yeah, the same yeah. thing yeah absolutely. so like in another country thumbs up is the same as you know putting up your middle finger. Um, one of the things I thought, yes, I agree. And, and I thought that was interesting. And also you can clearly see like from what Indor's saying that this, that Jono is his son. He's, he's yes. raised him as his son. You can tell yeah. the love that he has for him, the affection he has for him. There's no malice. I do appreciate with the assumptions that they've made, however erroneous they may be that Beverly was like, I don't think Jono should be with him, you know, because abusers can have a very strong effect on their victims. Yeah. And subtle. even without saying anything. Yeah. And that's 100% true. And I agreed. I was like, if this was true, if he was really being abused, putting him in the room with the abuser could have really horrible effects. Um, but they did it anyways, because they don't have any protocols for this sort of thing. And you could see just the love and affection they had for each other. And that, Oh, it was just totally like scrape knees type of thing, but for, for telarians. And it's like this, this is really his home. This is really his family. He's been with them for his whole life, everything he can remember. Um, and so now they have kind of a decision to make. And and I love that indoor again says, you know what he, Jono is at the age of decision. He's Mm -hmm. old enough in our, and again, it's their culture, right? Because it was like American, for example, it'd be 18, Mm -hmm. but for Telerians it was, 14 or 15 or whatever, Yeah, they were like, you are old enough to make your own decisions about how your life goes. And you can decide if you come back with us, or you can decide if you want to go to earth. Like he gave them a choice that again, the, fed- the federation or Picard did not give him not even close. They didn't ask him any questions. They didn't give him any options. They said, we're taking, they just, they kidnapped him. Basically. They snatched him from all the other Tularian boys, put him in a totally isolated cabin and said, we're taking you back to your grandmother at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Indor comes, he's like, no, what do you want to do, son? And I thought that was really powerful as well, because again, that's showing that he's not, um, well, it's not showing that he's not an abuser, but you just kind of get that from seeing them together. And yes, it's, it's really cool to see like the trust he puts in Jono to make yes that decision. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I
0: think that like, I tend to be a people pleaser, even though I, I know I sound like an irate, shrill person a lot of time on the podcast, but I really do tend to be more of a people pleaser and I think that if you put me in a room with Endar and then in a room with Picard, I might give two different answers based on what I think that person mm-hmm. wants to hear. So that was my only real thought about that. Where I was like, I wonder if they asked Jeremiah slash Jono, like on his own to mm-hmm. decide what he wants without anybody in the room to like, m- you know, set any expectations. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Jonah was like, I want to go with you, Endar. Like, you're my father, you're my captain, you're my whatever. And Picard's like, I'm really sorry, but I can't allow that to happen. Which, I mean, makes sense because this boy was kidnapped as a toddler and should probably be returned to his family. Um, But Endor's like, if you fail to return Jono to me, this could lead to war. But the Talarian ships are like one one hundredth the size of the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm actually not super concerned about it. And their weapons
1: are like so old and outdated. Yeah. You guys still to- drive
0: your fucking ships with joysticks. Like I'm
1: not mm-hmm. super concerned. Right. And that's what they guys said. Guys they were up. like, he was like, they want to go to war with us. We'll decimate them like easily. We don't even need to put up our shields. And, and indoor yep. was like, this is what we do for our family. And you're kind of like, Hmm, now there's another decision to be made. You yes. want to go to yeah. war. where basically, we're going to just slaughter. Talarian after Talarian after Talarian over yeah. Jonah, who wants to go with them anyways. It's a really yeah. tough, tough situation to be in yeah
0: yeah and and jono is feeling super frustrated and he doesn't have any kind of outlet they won't let him blast his like telerian screamo music mm-hmm. they won't let him do the banar which is that wailing um and picard is like let me show you what i do when i feel pent up rage and he shows him some shakespearean play and jono's like fuck that so he's like
1: okay so we'll do mm-hmm. option 2 which literally When he said that, when he was like, let me show you what I do to unwind. That's exactly what I thought. I was was like like, Earl (laughs) Grey. Yeah. I was like, is he going to read a book and drink some tea? Cause I don't (laughs) think that's going to work for Joe. That's not going to work at all. And then I saw the space racquetball and I was like, oh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. This is a better, yeah. This is a much better choice. Shows him the most complicated
0: (laughs) racquetball in the universe and they end up playing as they're playing. Jonah starts having these like horrible flashbacks of the Telerian attack and his memory is like the pew, 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 yes. pew, that the ball
1: makes every time it hits the wall.
0: Yes. Yes. And it really triggers that. And he's like, human memories are flooding back and he can't stop the flood. And it's just awful because he starts talking about his mother and how she was all red, I guessing from blood. And like Mm -hmm. he's he's piecing these things together. And it's just so heartbreaking. And I really was thrilled to see Picard like cradling the boy and like rubbing his head and just trying to provide some comfort to this child who's like losing his shit and doesn't know what to do. And it's just awful it's just really really awful but also like very heartwarming to see Mm -hmm. picard is starting to become more and more the captain that we love who is never super comfortable with kids but like he's fine with them they're not like this aversion that he has any longer Mm -hmm. um and to cheer him up a little bit you know picard takes him to 10 forward Mm -hmm. to hang out with wesley
1: because wesley's our go-to kid to translate to other kids. Yep. So if there's a child of any age, be them two or 16, they're going to be up under Wesley at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are. he takes Jono to have ice cream with Wesley and, um, Jono, apparently they don't have spoons in Teleria because he tries to use a spoon and the ice cream just goes everywhere and flies. He all like over smashes Wesley. the plate. Yeah. Yeah. He smashes the plate. Like it's the most aggressive ice cream scoop you could ever try to get. And Wesley gets covered with ice cream and then he's like, uh oh, like this is gonna be bad. Cause probably in his culture that would have been bad. Mm-hmm. But everybody just kind of laughs and he's like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, okay, fun. And then Picard. I did Riker- I did
0: love seeing Wesley with like ice cream sundae all over his face. I was like, I need to put this up on our Instagram at the TNG podcast because and and I feel like I'm gonna make this a caption contest because there are so many ways you can go with this, like <laughs> creamy sauce all over this kid's face. And he's
1: looking shocked <laughs> and delighted. And I'm like, ah, uh, let's leave this up to the public to come up with the best. Yeah. I can only action. see 100% <laughs> great captions coming from that picture. <laughs> um, So Picard pulls Riker to the side and it's just kind of like, look at him. It doesn't he look great. He's starting to kind of blend in. He's starting to see how great it is to be human and, and all this kind of stuff. So he's feeling like his work is going pretty well.
0: Until... Turns out, Not so much. <laughs> Not so much. So the next thing we see is Jeremiah walking into Picard's quarters at night, which I'm like, there are no locks on the doors.
1: We've already established there are no locks on the doors. Yeah.
0: Or if there are locks,
1: you just go and then like it unlocks. And I don't even think there is a door between the main quarters and the bedroom. I know, but how he got into the main quarters is my question, but whatever. Oh, because he was staying with him. Remember, he sleeps with his captain. (gasps) Oh, he was staying in the living room in a hammock. Oh, that's right. Okay.
0: So. He stands over Picard as Picard is sleeping. And as Picard comes to and sees Jeremiah, or I'm just going to call interchangeably, Jono pulls out this fucking Klingon dagger and goes, and like stabs Picard in the fucking chest with it. And the screen goes black. And I'm like, that might be one of the biggest like surprise moves in TNG. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, where you don't it's see it coming very, at I, all.
1: You just don't see it coming. Even with him standing menacingly over his bed, you're like, "That's weird. I wonder why he's standing there." Oh my oh god, he stabbed him <laughs> in the chest. <laughs> it it's coming. just the most. <laughs> it's the most like zero to sixty
0: moment. I think in TNG, <laughs> followed closely behind. Um, Picard turning on the board cube and realizing he's yes. the cutest, and you're yeah. like, oh shit. But that at least was like, okay, something fishy's going on, and oh my God, he's bored now. This was just like, you're standing there, things are going weird. You just killed somebody. Like it was so <laughs> fast. like, oh my God. And uh, luckily, we've got Dr. Crusher on the case because
1: Picard gets rushed to sickbay and he's put in surgery and they like laser suture him up. And, and you find out that Jono stabbed him in the sternum. That's the breastbone. Yep. So he and I assume Jono knows how to stab somebody from the culture he's grown up in. So yeah. it seems like he attacked Picard to provoke his own death sentence. So he didn't have yes. to make this difficult choice, Yeah, but he wasn't trying to kill so him sad. because if he would have went a little bit to the left or right, he would have done way more damage, but because yes. he stabbed him into his breastbone, bone, yeah. the, the bone protected all of the important organs underneath. Yes. So I yeah. thought that was like really interesting. He stabbed him, but he clearly wasn't trying to kill him, but he was trying to do enough damage for him to get in trouble.
0: I see. I didn't get that at all. I was like, Oh my God, you just tried to kill the captain. But I think you're right because Beverly says, he missed like all the organs and no major arteries were hit, which is very lucky. Um, but I think you're right because Tolarian culture seems to be very like warrior based. He probably would have mm-hmm. had like tons of training on like how to effectively kill somebody and stabbing them in the sternum is not really super I mean, effective.
1: I, and I feel like we all know that if you're going to stab somebody in the chest, you try to stab them in the heart. You don't stab yeah. them in the middle Yeah. So I, or yeah. even lower, even if he stabbed him in the stomach, like he could have literally stabbed him anywhere, but there. Yeah. And he would have caused more damage.
0: Yeah, he would have. So, you know, Picard calls for Jeremiah to speak to him while he's in recovery. And he says, I tried to kill, I tried to kill you knowing that I would be put to death as a punishment and his like newly returned memories and of being human and like mm-hmm. having these happy feelings in 10 forward made him feel as though he'd like betrayed his like Tolarian father. And he just didn't want to deal with that. And he didn't want to deal with this decision that he had to make, which will shape the rest of his life. And I love that Picard has like the emotional intelligence to be like, nobody's going to put you to death for that. Number one. And number two, even if that was really our custom, I think anybody can see that your actions were like a massive cry for help. So Mm -hmm. maybe we'll just give you the help that you need,
1: which is Um, a hard thing to say when you're recovering from being stabbed in the chest in your sleep. Right. Like <laughs> mad props to Picard for having such a yeah. clear head and like no malice. No, he wasn't upset at all. He was just like, I understand. Yep. Which he absolutely did. Which impressive. I was like, damn. Yeah. Cause I would have been like, you stabbed me at the chest. Yeah, while like, I was sleeping, not yeah. even while I was awake, while yeah. I was sleeping. Like, like literally gave
0: me no option to like
1: defend myself. Defend myself. Nothing. Yeah.
0: Ugh. um. Now Endar is on the you know main view screen on the bridge making threats against Riker. And he's like, there will be war for this. And there will be this and that. And you give him back. And Riker's like, no. And Picard and Jeremiah come (laughs) to the bridge.
1: Yeah, that's exactly how he said it.
0: (laughs) No. Um, So Picard and Jeremiah come onto the bridge and speak with Endar. And Picard says that there was a crime committed, but it wasn't Jono's. It was his own crime for failing to listen to what Jono wanted. And I was like, (laughs) oh, it's just, it was so great. It was great. And he returns Jono to Endar. And upon saying goodbye, Jono finally decides to take off his gloves and does this like touching Solarian farewell where he touches the sides of like Picard's face and they touch foreheads. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we had missed talking about was that. Jono had refused to take his gloves off the entire time he was aboard the Enterprise because he said he didn't want to contaminate himself by touching an alien. So he really was like, I'm Tolarian. I'm Mm -hmm. not human. Even Mm -hmm. if I'm human by birth, I'm still Tolarian. Mm -hmm. I don't identify with the human side. Like I don't want to touch you people. Mm -hmm. And I love that he did. And it was just a very touching kind of conclusion. Um, But I also thought, shouldn't there be a little bit more discussion (laughs) about returning this kid or like at least contacting grandma and letting, I don't know. I felt like he's at the age of decision for Tularians, but he's not at the age of decision for humans. And I feel like there should have been maybe some more.
1: Yeah. Discussion. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, so let's pretend he was 18. Then what would be different? Like if he wants to go back with them, he's going to go back with them. What if he was 20? What if he was 30 and he was raised Telerian until he was 30, but now you're like, he's human. I'm going to take him back. Right. Like. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you, I feel like you shouldn't force either one where it's like, we're taking you back or you're absolutely going back. Like we're
0: taking you back to the human side or you're going back to the end. I
1: I feel like there should have been
0: therapy might have needed to be
1: done. Definitely therapy. And I also feel like there, there didn't need to be an either or situation here. There could have easily been, um, the the channels are still open. He has a chance to meet his to get to know his grandmother while he still stays on th- the Telerian ship. Yeah, he gets a chance to know Earth. He gets a chance. T- I feel like there didn't need to be this this clear division of either yeah. or because he is both. He is born human, yeah. but he has been raised Telerian. That is, they're both part of his culture. They're both part of his family, and I felt like they could have still had that, that means of communication open. Yep. So he would just know that that part exists and he can explore it in his leisure time, you know, when he's ready, yeah. when he wants to, if he wants to,
0: I, I agree. I agree. I feel like, you know, Admiral Rosa's like, where's my grandson? Wait, what'd you do? <laughs> like, I exactly. Feel like there might be mm-hmm. some explanations needed yep. to be made. Yep. And I think you're right. I didn't think it should have been an either, or my final thoughts on this is like, I, I honestly, I did not remember this as the ending at all. I do not. Re- I remember the, like, most complicated game of racquetball in the in the history of the universe. I remember that. I remember the rock. I remember the gloves. I remember the like wailing and the banar and the captain stuff, but I do not remember like the ice cream Sunday. I don't remember the stabbing. I don't remember the ending at all. Like,
1: and you know what? When I watch this again in like eight years, I'm gonna say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I, it I watch really this again in one year, it. I'm gonna yeah. say the same thing. <laughs> Or even like a few months, because like some of those episodes we had, if you remember back to season three, we were like, oh, when did this episode happen? Yeah, like Like the proto Vulcan. I'm like, like the proto Vulcan. Like, that's what I feel like this is. This Mm -hmm. is like that episode where you're like, oh, where'd this come from? Yeah. Um, Yeah. my, (laughs) My final thoughts was I think it was an interesting concept. I think it's kind of like a revisiting of Worf's story. Right, because Worf ended up yes. being raised by humans and you know didn't go back to Klingon and all that stuff, which made no sense because he could have gone to Klingon at any point, but whatever. Um, whatever with that. But this is kind of like another bite at that apple. And um, you know, overall this episode's not terrible, but also just not super memorable. That was my I agree. Thoughts. I agree. I think it's
0: I think it's like a solid B episode. It's it's good, it's not amazing. Um, I probably won't go back for seconds, but I think that, like, the episode does actually talk about some, like, hmm, I would say some, like, topics that actually need discussion. Like, what happens when Mm -hmm. one alien race adopts another alien race's child and brings them up? And, like, what are the questions you have to ask there? And with the broken bone stuff, like, is this a child abuse situation? Is this a Stockholm Syndrome situation? Is this just a, like cuts and scrapes childhood situation. Like it, it, I felt like that should have been explored more than the gloves and the, you know, ice cream sundae. honestly. yeah. But yeah, anyway, so that's this week's episode next week, guys, we're talking season four, episode five. Remember me, which is one of my favorites. I'm super excited. I can't wait. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.
1: Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at tngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members we'll see you next time